The Sparks Museum podcast is made possible by a grant from the Nevada Humanities and the National Endowment for the Humanities. The podcast is just one of many new features of the Sparks Heritage Museum. To learn more, check out our social media channels or our website at www.sparksmuseum.org. Hello, and welcome to the Sparks Museum podcast. I'm your host and the media manager for the Sparks Heritage Museum, Jessica Johnson. On July 2nd, 1905, the construction of a new park and dance hall known as Whelan Park was announced, located on a three-acre piece of property just to the north of what was then called the Nevada Insane Asylum. Not only was this amusement park the first of its kind in the area, but was on the line of the brand new electric streetcar for the convenience of the traveling public. In June 1909, proprietor O.G. Beneschitz renamed the resort Coney Island. New addition to the parks included a swimming pool, an outdoor pavilion for music and dancing, a bicycle merry-go-round, steel swings, ferry boats, and a brand new motion picture machine. The resort continued to operate for the better part of a decade until slowly it dwindled down and eventually closed. The property was sold in 1919. In June 1971, the Spark City Council renamed Coney Island Drive to Galetti Way. The Coney Island Bar is now the only public remembrance of this once popular resort. Today on the podcast, I sit down with the current owners and managers of the Coney Island Bar. They speak about the history of the Galetti family, the longevity of their ever-popular restaurant, which is on the State Register of Historic Places, and the importance of Coney Island to the Sparks community today. Please welcome the Galettis to the podcast. Hi, Greg. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to start off by asking, what personal connection do you have to the city of Sparks? Well, I was... I was, well, my parents were born and raised here, and they, they both graduated from Sparks High School, and uh, um, we grew up out in Spanish Springs area when there was nothing out here, out there, and just loved it, and uh, um, um, grew up a little bit, went to school at Reed, graduated, went to work for Helms Construction, which is actually my wife's grandfather, who had that business, and uh, and then uh, worked there for four or five years. And my dad was, was getting a little older, so went to work for my dad. Been there ever since, Coney Island. Yep. That's amazing. So you are fully steeped in Sparks history, oh, yeah. then. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of which, can you tell us a little bit about the history of Coney Island? How many years has it been in your family, and what inspired Ralph Galetti to build it? Well, my grandfather came over from Italy and brought his family, and, and they liked the area here where they came across the country, and hey, this is the spot because the mountains and the, reminded them of home, Genoa. And, and uh, and he, he, my grandfather bought a or bought a, a restaurant, Sugar Plum, down on I think it was on Virginia Street, and uh, and served enchiladas and homemade tamales and homemade raviolis out of it, and uh, and then they sold that, and uh, my my father or my uh, my grandfather's 
father-in-law purchased the property that the Coney Island was on, and they actually lived there. So they sold that sugar plum place and and started making um, wholesale tamales and raviolis. They sold to the local, uh, you know, the businesses and uh, restaurants out of that house. And then in 1935, he built the brick building that is that is there still today. Wow. And when did he immigrate? He Do came over it? here in the early 1900s. Wow. Yeah. And was... They, well, they bought the property in 1905 that the Coney was on, so... Was food preparation a big part of the the family before? Was that a family business, or was well, that just about sharing that culture with Italians? They just love food. So <laughs> I think that's what it was. But it's funny because he met a my grandfather met a German guy who taught him how to make tamales. Wow, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's kind of surprising. Funny, so. yeah. <laughs> now, can you tell us anything about the amusement park that was Coney Island's namesake? Yeah, I can't tell you much, but. It, you know, they had a big lake, and there was sailboats on it and Ferris wheels, and much like the one in New York, not, you know, a lot smaller scale, but, um, and, uh, you know, picnic areas. And, but that was just, yeah, that's right, down, almost adjacent down a little bit further down the road, yeah, across the freeway. Was there a name of the business before Coney Island? Yeah, well, they, he- well, that's what they, you know, when he built the brick building in 35 and started the business there they named it after the amusement park oh out. that's perfect so, yeah that's great yeah. that's a great partnership yeah. now can you tell us a few of the ways in which coney island has changed over the the past decades um and what changes have you implemented yourself yeah it's, we pretty much keep it the same same the like my dad had he'd serve just lunches every day and he might do a private banquet or you know for groups Scheduling. And there was nothing. It was mostly a lunch place and bar. And uh, yeah, he served Tuesday. We did spaghetti, and Thursday we did corned beef and cabbage. And we still do that today. And uh, Tuesday is still really popular. But I've added, you know, different things, sandwiches and stuff. We've we've added a Friday night uh, open to the public dinner, which has been really good. And then we've even tried breakfast on Saturday and. And we, we might go back to that. <laughs> We're not doing it right now, but um, yeah, we that's pretty much kept it the same. Changed the inside a little bit, but yeah, that's wonderful. And I'm sure that also fosters a, a really great sense of community as well. Do you see a yeah. lot of regulars coming oh, into yeah. your establishment? Well, like we were just talking. I mean, there's people that come in every day for lunch, which. Wow. But, and, you know, we're lucky there. You know, my dad had a lot of big following, and, and I still get a lot of those older guys that come in that knew my, oh, I remember your dad, and I was, you know, this high, and <laughs> a lot of stories that go way back. But, yeah, but we're getting, you know, older, younger coming in, blue-collar, white-collar workers, you know, everything. That's great. It's, good, it's like a meeting, nice meeting place. Now, how have you seen the area surrounding Coney Island change over the years? Yeah, it's, well, back when the building was built, it was, you know, there was no freeway and there was a lot of, you know, ranches back there where the Boys and Girls Club is. And, and, uh, yeah, the only thing is the the off-ramp that comes in makes it easy for people to come in, I think. Uh, But otherwise, it really 
hasn't changed too much, <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I've been fortunate enough to come by for lunch occasionally, and sometimes it's so busy in that parking area, yeah. you, you got to circle around a little bit to yeah. find a place. Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite aspect of running Coney Island? Oh no, I like to cook and and uh, like to see people. You know, a lot of friends come in, and a lot of old, you know, my dad's friends, and still, you know. They were, they were a little younger, but still see them every day. And coffee clubs still meets that my dad was part of. And, and uh, I just like to see people when I can, when I can get out, get out of the kitchen. Yeah, but I like to cook, and got my youngest son cooking now. So really, yeah. that's yeah. excellent. So the the family business continues then yeah, another generation. Fourth generation, we'll see. Wow. <laughs> What, if any, involvement did you have in getting the Coney Island added to the National Register of Historic uh, Places uh, in 2007? Well, there's a really good friend of, friend of ours, a customer that's come in for a long time, and he was on the Spark City Council at the time, and he actually suggested it. We were thinking, really? That'd be awesome. <laughs> and, and he ran it, and he ran it through, and, and when, 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 when did it come? 2006 or seven 2007? Or like. yeah. 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 That's amazing. Neat. And that plaque on the outside of the building is so informative and mm-hmm. really gives you an immediate sense of this is a very significant yeah, place cool. to the city. Yeah. Pretty neat. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of the National Historic Register, Sparks recently lost the Immaculate Conception Church, which was also on the National Historic Register as well, and only stood a block away from the museum. The museum also was on the Na- National Historic Register. This sparked a huge amount of outcry, understandably, from locals who were really upset at the destruction of that heritage. So how does it make you feel to have your family business be a part of not only a federal list celebrating the heritage of the city, but also as a representation of Sparks' heritage? Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. <laughs> I know we're still going strong. And, uh, you know, we've got a, uh, you know, the community, which has been great. And, we, you know, we try and do the same things every day, try and make it consistently good and but uh, yeah, we're pretty. That's a pretty, pretty great deal that we're on that deal. <laughs> and people recognize it and they say stuff. And, yeah, it's it's neat. Absolutely. Yeah, really cool. So, do you host special events in addition? Is there anything that you ha- have weekly, monthly? Any fun events coming up? Friday night. I don't know the dinner, but it's coming up. We're gonna, See, we kind of shut it down in the summertime. We take a little time off. It's a little slower anyway. Sure. It's nice, but people keep asking, when are you going to start it up again? But, so that's about the only thing right now we got planned. But I know you mentioned St. Patrick's Day, but is there any holiday offerings? Yeah, the St. <laughs> Patrick's is always a big day. <laughs> I mean, we do, it's funny because we do corn beef and cabbage every Thursday, and I know it's not a big popular dish, but when it lands on St. Patrick's Day, that Thursday, it's really unbelievable. Oh, <laughs> it's I bet. Really, it's pretty cool. Because it's our anniversary, too, you know, the day before. Oh, yeah. that's excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- that's great. We do a lot of Christmas parties around the whole month. And uh, a lot of the same returning business and attorney firms and stuff like that. But, yeah, they it fills up every day of the week. That's excellent. Yeah, it's really good. And usually runs into 
January every day. And so we're really working in the wintertime. That's the best time. And I would love to provide an opportunity to plug your hours. So what, when are you open? Are you available for private events, catering, things like that? Yep. We're open uh, for lunch every day from 11 to 2. And then uh, except Sundays. Except Sundays. Yeah, <laughs> close Sundays. And then uh, we'll do private banquets any night of the week except Friday and Sunday um, from 25 people to, to around 80. And we've done bigger ones, you know, buffet style or something like that. We don't actually go out and cater, but we, we're open for. We do make lasagnas or chicken ready to, ready to go if you want to pick it up and for events. Oh, wonderful. We do, yeah, we do a lot of that too, and pasta. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. Yeah. Now, since you're here, I would love to have you, if you're willing, to speak as well. Uh, yeah, my name is Dana Galetti. Well, Dana, how did you and Greg meet? Uh, well, our family, my grandfather, um, Robert and Polly Helms, were really good friends with Greg's parents, John and Jean. So I knew of Greg growing up, but we never met. Um, and then one of my girlfriends was dating one of his friends and asked us to play volleyball at uh, Idlewild in the summer. And that's how we met and been together ever since. <laughs> that's amazing. So when did you get involved in Coney Island? Um, I used to help way back when Greg's sister, Lori, used to do Wednesday night dinners. And I waitressed back then. Um, I don't know when that started, but I just yeah, read 30 years ago. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and then I took time off and when we had, we had three kids and, um, I basically stayed and helped, uh, with the kids and with their school. And, um, once COVID hit though, um, then I really got involved and been down there every day, ever since. And our daughter, Olivia and our younger son, Jake, it's in the kitchen. So since COVID we've been down there time now so but I love it I love the people like Greg said uh, customers come in every day or they all want to sit in their same spot same table um, which is I think unique and people come in and come, come by themselves and can go sit at the bar and they know everybody kind of like the movie cheers you know everybody kind of <laughs> jokes but or they can find somebody sitting at a table and join somebody um, and have lunch so people are just kind of like a little community friends mm-hmm. where you like know everybody so it's a nice place to work. That's amazing. And speaking of bringing up COVID, with that being such a, a community hub, was there a large impact when you had to shut down? How long were you shut down? We weren't completely shut down. I mean, we did the takeout deal, what we could, what we, you know, how we could do it. And, and uh, we actually even had people on Tuesday, they love the spaghetti, they come in, they park their cars out in the parking lot and set up a table and would take out to go orders to them. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was. It was the community was really oh, um, yeah, supportive. supportive. And when we could only do takeouts when we were completely shut down, you couldn't come inside and people um, were just getting food to go. Yeah. Um, so we were really lucky that way and people really wanted to support us. So it Great was nice. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. But it was a weird time too, like having to take reservations and I had to sit at the door and people were like, whoever thought, We'd have to make a reservation to come to the Coney for lunch. So it was just a <laughs> weird, unique time. But um, we got through it. And uh, yeah, we hope- were able to do some interior work, too, you know, shut down and do some, you know, fix Yeah, we did some much-needed <laughs> remodeling, which yeah. people commented on. And 
I only had one old customer said he liked it the old way better, of course, but um, everybody's really liked the remodel and we needed to do it because it was old in time. So it was a good time when we were shut down to have to do that. Absolutely. Another aspect that I absolutely love about first entering, because first entering the Coney Island, it's almost an experience in and of itself. I love that door with the little window on it. Is there a story behind that at all? (laughs) I like the little door too, as we can peek out, but no, it just, that door has been replaced quite a few times. So there's no, no great story. Uh, Yeah. Kind of like a speakeasy. Yeah. Look and let people in. Yeah. Yeah. If nothing else, it, it, certainly gives the impression that it's an old building. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's amazing. And I, I remember when I first started working at the Sparks Heritage Museum, it's, I don't live in Sparks, but I was told by the people who work with me of, you have to eat at the Coney Island if you are living or working in Sparks. It's like a rite of passage. How does that make you feel to be a part of that sort of lineage? Pretty cool. <laughs> I know. I just, I don't know. Just people have been coming in for years, and I don't know if they just meet there to do. I mean, like I said before, a lot of business transactions and things getting done there. And yeah, if you want to, if you want to meet somebody to get something done, you might meet somebody that knows something that can help you, or somebody you know. It's just, I don't know. That's why a lot of different people come in. Pretty, pretty neat. Do you think the fact that the business has remained a family-owned business, does that mean a lot to the locals or your oh, yeah. regulars? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Probably really helps having you be a part of the the wait and kitchen staff as well. Yeah, they all know that it's either family or yeah, the great. staff's been there a long time. We recently have just had new bartenders because of COVID. Mm. Um, but we have, you know, great staff. Everybody, you know, knows everybody. Um, I have a funny um, story, though. Usually the Coney was always, even me growing up, um, mainly men, you know. And it's like that still today, but we do have a lot more women. And I had a woman come in, oh, this was about six months ago, and she came in and she said, I always thought this was like a private men's club because I always just saw all men go in there and it was so crowded. And um, so I think lots of people don't even know about the Coney. Um, and But we do, since COVID, and I'm trying to like with social media and Facebook or Instagram, you know, put what we offer. And so I'm glad to see we have a lot more women because before when you were a girl, you'd walk in, everybody would look at you kind of almost like, what are you doing in here? But now we have <laughs> a lot more women and, and kids and stuff. So it has changed that way, which I like to see too. That's uh-huh. great. That's excellent. Now I'd love to finish up with our big three questions. These are questions that I ask all of our guests at the end of each podcast episode. And I would love to be able to ask both of you these questions since we're fortunate enough to have you both in the studio today. So we'll start with you, Greg. So what sparks you about Sparks? What do you think makes it an interesting place to live, work, or visit? Well, I just had a great childhood growing up like in the Spanish Springs area. And, just, and it was close. To, we always skied and close to the great skiing and Tahoe and even the Bay Area. You know, we could go out and hunt just miles out in our backyard <laughs> and uh, I don't know if I was a visitor here I I really like the you know great brace and brewery and those and those other live music and a lot of those places are really good music too and 
outdoor stage there now they have that's pretty pretty cool if you know if it's out of town that's a great place to visit right there absolutely yeah i mean the city's motto is it's all happening here and from what it seems like that's certainly the case yes yeah absolutely (laughs) and what about you uh well i was always i was um always a reno girl we always joke about how i crossed the tracks and married a sparks boy but um (laughs) i like sparks it's you know it's uh smaller than reno like lots of times you'll say we're from sparks and They'll say, where's that? We say by Reno. So people don't yeah, even know where Sparks is compared to when you say Reno, Nevada. Well, especially since that that's another interesting point to bring up. You guys are almost like on the border, right. practically. Yeah, the Coney Island is actually where Gletty Way, from his grand, the name, is the border of Reno mm. and Sparks. Mm-hmm. So it is right where they meet. We're sure on our shirts we sell Sparks, Nevada. Yeah, we're Sparks. We're not that. Reno. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And, <laughs> and yeah, like um, Casales, um, they're old like uh, the Coney Island, and they say they're oldest in Reno, mm-hmm. so we can say we're the oldest in Sparks because we're Sparks and they're Reno. There you go. Um, mm-hmm. But two really good um, Italian mm-hmm. old restaurants that have made it in the same family, and so um, it's nice. That's great. Do you have a favorite story or moment from Sparks's history? This could either be a significant moment in the city's history or either a personal memory that you remember? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I just remember just growing up and um, I don't know, we, I remember going to Gazin's. I don't know if anybody remembers that name. For, we would shop for school clothes there. That's no longer there. But uh, just my hanging out with my friends and my dad would throw us in the back of the truck and we'd go to Dairy Queen down on Crater Way, or there was one at Greenbury, too. And then they'd take us to that big super slide by the Paradise Park, the Teglius Paradise Park. And I don't know, I just remember those younger times. A lot of a lot of fun playing in the ore ditch and catching frogs and whatever. We were out in the county then, but it's, 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 it's where Reed High School and all that is now. So all that just developed over. <laughs> Well, based on based on the stories that we get from the people that come into the museum, of people who have been longtime Sparks residents, it sounds like it has been a great place to grow up, and it remains a place great place to grow up right, as well. Absolutely, yep. Mm-hmm. It's growing. But yeah, it's still kind of growing too fast. But, uh, <laughs> can't help that. And what about you? Do you have a favorite memory of your time here in Sparks, even though you began in Reno? Yeah. We won't hold it against you. No. It's a, <laughs> um, well, for me, like my grandfather having Helms Construction and where the pit was, and now it's the Sparks Marina. Um, he had the outlet malls and how that's all developed is pretty cool. Um, and knowing my grandfather in Sparks, like I have a name, um, a street named after me, Danaway. People probably think it's Danaway and Sparks, but mm. I'll see my family's names all over the streets because when he would do the developments, he would name them after mm. family um, names. Penny. Yeah, Robbie. Yeah. Different um, streets. So every time I drive by the Sparks Marina, I always think of my grandfather. That's amazing. So was that, and about that, about Galetti Way, about, so how did those street names come to be? So in your case, it was because he was developing. Right. So area. I guess back then they got to make pick the street names. Um, and then you can tell the story how the Galetti Way instead yeah, of Yeah, it was Coney Island Drive. 
everybody where he was. And, but the, the asylum was on there. Uh, and uh, they thought, this is a, Coney Island's a little festive for have an asylum. <laughs> yeah. So we were there for for a long time, so they changed it to Gilead Way. Yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> wow. And last but not least, since we are a museum, our organization believes that every story is worth telling. And there there are countless stories around the Truckee Meadows region that are always worth preserving. So with that in mind, is there anything that you personally own or maybe something within the Coney Island that if you had the ability, you would put it in a museum? Well, I thought about it and I think I haven't looked. I think I still have some old big roll of those old tamale paper that my dad used to do to make the tamales. My oh, wow. Would, I believe it's still down in that basement. I got to look. <laughs> that's amazing. That'd be kind of cool to put in there. Yeah. Especially since that's the way that that business began. Yeah, right. Yeah. I've, we have an old picture, too, that somebody drew. I don't know who did it, but it says Coney Island Tamale Factory. That old black and sketching in the hallway there. It's framed. It's pretty cool. Wow. I mean, that's something, too. And what about you? Is there anything that you would put in a museum? It doesn't even have to be Coney Island related, just something cool that you have or know about. Uh, not that I could think of, but the Coney basement probably has a few old <laughs> artifacts down there that could <laughs> go in a museum. Yeah, we'd have to dig through. I didn't even know there was a basement in that yeah, space. Yeah, there's a full entire basement under the whole restaurant and barn. Oh, I bet that's useful. <laughs> oh, yeah, lots of storage. Definitely old pictures. Yeah, there'd be some cool old pictures that I think the museum the has 40s. them anyway yeah. of the Coney and what it looked like. And see the women all dressed up, they're always in dresses, and, you know, to be at the bar compared to now mm-hmm. how it is. Um, mm-hmm. It's neat, yeah. Wow. Well, thank you both so much for being here on the Sparks Museum podcast today. This was absolutely wonderful, and it's so great to have local business owners who have been here for so many years and help keep the Sparks story alive. Thank you for having us. The Sparks Museum podcast is funded in part by a grant from the Nevada Humanities and the National Endowment for the Humanities. It is produced and recorded at the podcast recording studio at Sparks' own AntSpace Coworking Entrepreneurial Hub, a place for entrepreneurs made by entrepreneurs. We really want to get the word out about our brand new audio series, so please spread the word about our new podcast by taking a moment to rate, review, and share this episode. Do you have a favorite story of Sparks that you want to hear on the podcast? Email info at sparksmuseum.org to share any recommendations. We would love to hear from you. We also invite you to visit the Sparks Heritage Museum on 814 Victorian Avenue. The museum is open Tuesdays through Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Please come visit and be a part of our ongoing efforts to tell the Sparks story. We'll see you next time.